Welcome to the Sisters on the Front Lines podcast, where we unite with Christ to combat the shame surrounding young women struggling with pornography and share our stories and insights to gather more tools and weapons to fortify our stance on the front lines in the war against pornography. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the very first Sisters on the Front Lines podcast. I am beyond excited to do this. This one, I'm just riding solo. I wanted to first tell my story and kind of tell why I'm doing this. And so I guess as a little intro to who I am, I'll keep it quick. I'm 19. I'm a freshman at BYU. I'm pre-business, hoping to go into entrepreneurial management. I'm a presidency member on the Unalone Club, which is the coolest club at BYU. So what we do is we focus on people who are struggling with pornography or people who are supporting someone who's struggling with pornography. And we meet every week anonymously. Well, we meet on Zoom so that people can be as anonymous as they would like. You can turn off their camera, mute their microphone, change their screen name, whatever they would like, just as long as they're there. We love having people there. I come from a family of five. I have an older brother and younger sister. I grew up in Logan, moved to Riverton at 14 years old. I love weightlifting. Oh, Logan, Utah, by the way, in Riverton, Utah. (laughs) And right now I'm living in Provo for BYU. I love weightlifting, hiking. I play guitar, not very well, but I like to do it. I love singing. I've been in choir my whole life. I, I just love all things music. Love, I'm always on Spotify, always listening to something or like making playlists. Love doing that. And I'm super big into, like, mental toughness and stuff. Anyway, that is enough about me. Now let me talk more about me. (laughs) So I just want to share my story very real, very raw. I literally have five bullet points in front of me because I just kind of want to be guided by the spirit for what I need to say. But if you want more, like, like educational type of stuff, you can go to my Instagram. I'll put that in the show notes. Anyway, jumping in. So I found pornography when I was 13 years old. And I remember it was really confusing, really just strange and hard time for me because I remember I would have these young women's lessons and they would say, hey, we're having a lesson about pornography. We know that you guys don't struggle with this, but you know, just listen so that you can help your future spouse. And the statistic is 30% of women struggle with it. And so it's in sitting in a classroom of like 15 girls, it's me and four other girls who are are sitting there and thinking that they're completely alone and that they are made incorrectly and that there's got to be something wrong with them. And they're just the most disgusting people because, because they're doing this and they're having those thoughts. And it makes me really sad to look back and those thoughts were really, really real for me. In in the LDS church, we're not really taught about women being sexual beings. It's kind of like <laughs> you have two one and dones. You have the the talk, which really it shouldn't be the talk. It should be the continual conversation. But you have the talk with your parents about, you know, the birds and the bees. And then you never talk about it again up until right before you get married. And it's like, hey, here's what's going to happen, by the way. OK, good luck. And it's like, it's a scary thing. So when you're having those, those thoughts and those feelings, it's like super confusing and, and hard to just work through on your own. 
And so anyway, yeah, so at 13, I'm str- I was struggling with all the things that 13 year olds struggle with. I was struggling with self-esteem and body image issues and really it all just tied back to not understanding my identity and who I was. And so when I turned to pornography and found pornography, it made me feel good very temporarily, but it did make me feel good. And that's how addiction works is you have like that dopamine baseline. And then when you take part in the addiction, then it it spikes and then it drops below the original baseline. And then you feel like you need it more and more. And so you create this reliance and this dependency on whatever that addictive substance is. And so obviously I didn't understand the brain science between what was happening to me at 13. I don't think many 13 year olds do. And so I just thought, I just kept thinking that there was something wrong with me and hitting these really, really low points. And it got to the point where I was so depleted of dopamine that I was like quite literally chemically depressed. And I remember getting to that point and there was one night where me and my dad were just driving or sitting in the car or something and somehow the topic of pornography came up and he told me about my brother who I I have his permission to share this and my dad's as well but my brother had been battling with pornography for a while and he was prepping to go on a mission and at the time my bishop had had told him that he couldn't take the sacrament for three months and my brother came to him and told him that he slipped up once during that three months and then it got pushed to six months and my brother at the time was so beaten down and so ready to just give up and he's like it's not even worth fighting anymore and my dad for a second was like just wanted to relieve him of all of the pain that he was going through and just say hey it's okay to to relax and and take a break from the fight for a while and then he prayed about it and he had some personal revelation to send him this text and so again for context i'm sitting in the car with my dad and i i'm hearing this and he has no idea that I'm struggling with this. And this was super, super impactful for me. And so it's called, There is Only War. There's no peace. So, okay, sorry, <laughs> before I start, this is a text from my dad to my brother in, in his moment of just being beat down in, in English. There's only war. There is no peace. There is only war. I believe in serenity, stillness, civility, and tranquility, but not peace. Peace, when defined as the absence of conflict or war, is a myth, an imposter, a lie. It is a false god we've been taught to worship by pansies and evildoers. There is only war. I believe in winning, but not victory. There is no ultimate or final victory, at least not in this life. And candidly, the next life seems less attractive if the concept of a final victory exists but I'll leave that to a much wiser general than me. My heaven is Valhalla. There is only war. But how can there only be war? What about surrender? There is no peace through surrender. Surrender is simply one's decision to declare war on themselves. The war continues after surrender. It gets more costly, futile, and painful. There is only war. I want to celebrate winning with you, 
and honor every day of your fight. I want to be yoked together in this war. Whether you've won or lost any particular battle on any particular day doesn't matter to me at all. I want us to be fueled by the brotherhood that comes from going to war together. I want to be bloodied, exhausted, humbled, and yet undeterred from the path, the war path. There is only war. Would you agree to text me first thing when you wake up and last thing before you go to bed to tell me whether you're winning or losing? Please don't ever hesitate if slash when the text is, I'm losing. That text is the one that matters most because it means we are still in the fight. There is no peace. There's only war. Love the war. I love being in it with you. And man, I think 99% of that flew over my head at 13, but reading it back, I think I felt what I needed to feel. And I think the spirit told me the things that I need to feel. And I think it was that on top of maybe some church lessons that finally got me to send that text to the bishop. So anyway, I send that text on a Wednesday or a Thursday, and the, the days leading up to that Sunday were so stressful, and it was like it was like the rising action, you know, in a movie, and it was just like finally, finally building up because Satan had been beating down on me really hard before that, but he beat down on me especially hard in those couple of days, and I just felt extremely lonely and extremely ashamed of my actions. And so I finally, I remember <laughs> I set up the meeting for probably like 30 minutes after church and I did not let myself leave the building after church because I knew that if I left, then I wouldn't come back. And so I remember sitting outside the bishop's office and it really was like the peak, like all of that darkness just filling my mind and having these very real thoughts of I'm going to go in there and he's going to look at me and my reputation of being this this perfect kid and this straight A student and this high achiever and all of all of that drivenness and and the things that make me good that's all going to be stripped because he's going to know he's going to know who I really am that I'm just some gross evil person who has these evil desires and and oh man it was it was rough and so just all of that is building up and I finally walk in and I like to compare going, sitting outside the bishop's office versus walking out like night and day, Joseph Smith kind of experience, like in the sacred grove. It was just, there was, there was so much darkness and so much evil beating up on me. And then I went in and I heard things that I needed to hear and I came out and for the first time in my life, I had experienced for real what the atonement meant. And so the messages that I heard in there, again, pornography really all stems back, like issues with pornography, it always stems back to being out of touch with your real identity. And I remember hearing in there, you are a daughter of God and you are still just as valued and he loves you just as much. And those three things, that was all I needed. That was all I needed to hear. And and for for him to tell me that and tell me that this almighty being with all the power in the world could still love me after I had done those things, that was so impactful. And so I, I remember I, I walked out of there and I kid you not, I looked at the sky 
and it was blue, but it was bluer. And I looked at the the grass and the trees and they were green, but they were greener. And everything, like I'm not even, I am not even saying that as a metaphor. I legitimately remember thinking, whoa, I've never noticed that before. And it's just so cool because not only did the atonement take that weight off of my back, but it lifted me higher and it it brought light into every aspect of my life. And it started working gradually and making those weaknesses into strengths and teaching me lessons that I wouldn't have known if I hadn't gone through that. It was so cool. <laughs> and so after that, I kind of rode on that spiritual high for quite a while. And I was sober, clean, or whatever you want to call it, for probably about a year. So that was 14 or 15 when I got to the bishop into the bishop's office. I don't know if I mentioned that. So I'm around 16, and I remember I had had I had my first relapse since I had gone to the bishop's office, and I was so mad at myself. I was like, "Are you serious? You were over this. The atonement already did its job. Like now it's just up to you." And I think we think that so many times that. You know, the atonement's just this one-time thing, or the atonement is just for sin, and it's just for, I mean, we talk about, like, yeah, it's just for, it's for, like, illness and afflictions, but the atonement is for everything. The atonement is for those habits that you're trying to build that you can't, you can't quite get. It's not just something to, to cover up and to, and to help with sin. It's something to help in every single aspect of your life. Anyway, sorry, kind of a tangent. So, since then, it's been really cool the things that I have learned along the way. I know that it was so important for me actually to have that relapse because it taught me that relapses actually don't start you back at square one because you're still learning and you're still growing. One of my friends, Smith Alley, he was on a Unashamed Unafraid podcast and he talked about facing God and he talked about he had gotten to a point in his recovery journey where he was always facing God Sometimes he would take a step back or take a step forward, but he was always facing him. And I love that. I think that's so important. So anyway, just kind of kind of as a timeline. So it was kind of on and off. Honestly, 16 to 18 or I'm 19 now is kind of blurry for me, but I want to keep honesty super important on this podcast. And I don't want to hold anything back because I think there's a lot of power in putting the real things out there. And I think when we say things out loud, it it automatically gives Satan a lawless power over us. So I guess I'm first going to start why I'm doing all of this. I have had a super, super strong prompting that I have some kind of work to do in helping young girls who are struggling with pornography. Super specific and random. And <laughs> first, I'm like, not even at first, for like months, I was kind of fighting and back talking Heavenly Father on it. And I was like, listen, dude, I'm sorry, I didn't call him dude. Um, I was like, listen, I'm 18. I'm a college freshman. I'm just learning how to make my bed every morning, cook my own meals. Like, I'm not sure I can take this, this huge work on. Anyway, so my whole life, I've been super like goal oriented and super just like, let's, let's do it. You know, like, and so at first when I when I decided, okay, you know what? I, I think I'm I think I'm all in for this. I was thinking that I was going to like write a book. I was like, I have to write a book, I have to do a website, I gotta do like vlog everything. And I was super like ambitious about it. 
And so I started. And so anyway, I ended up kind of ditching the idea of a book because I I started reaching out to podcasts. And I was like, hey, so I am an LDS girl who has struggled with pornography. Can I come share my story? And it's honestly been so cool because God has opened so, so many doors. It's just crazy. I feel like I put in like 1% and then he just opens the floodgates. It's been super awesome to see how it's played out and a huge testament to me that this is not at all a a Maddie Davis work. (laughs) This is a Heavenly Father work. That has just been so, so cool. And so I have gone on podcasts for like the past month and a half. I'm recording this on February 19th. Might be embarrassing how long it takes me to post it. But it's been so cool how many doors have opened and how many people have reached out. And honestly, how many of like the girls that I'm close to or even that I'm not close to have just reached out to me and said, hey, this is something that I struggled with too. I thought that I was the the only one. And like, man, it just, it, it confirms to me that this has to be done. Anyway, kind of got on a tangent. So I that's what I've been doing for the past little bit. But the part that I wanted to share, we're going to have a little honesty hour because I think it's important for me to be as honest as possible on this so that the people that I bring on can be as honest as possible. When I started doing all of this, I was reading a lot and researching a lot on pornography. And so I was like constantly surrounded just by the the words like pornography and those ideas. And it was hard like controlling it. Like I, I hadn't gained that aspect of self-mastery yet. And I actually like relapsed like three months ago, three months ago. And I also think that that was super important to happen because it was like, whoa, okay, this is actually something that like, I have to decide every single day to choose Christ and to choose happiness and to choose serving others so that that temptation does not have as strong of a grip on me. And man, has it been cool. God works so well. God is so good at what he does. Yeah, so I guess that kind of brings us to now. What I want to do on this podcast is bring young women. I would love younger women. Right now, I have a lot of like young adults lined up like 18 to 20, but I would love if anyone is listening that has kids that are like like 11 to 17, I would love to have them on. I kind of only want to interview girls. I, w- I just want to stick in that realm. I, I love men. Men are awesome. I don't have anything against them. That's just what I want to do for this. So if you are listening and you would like to be interviewed or you know someone who would like to be interviewed, please reach out to them and let them know that I would love to have them on. I have ways to make it completely anonymous. I have a voice changer software. I I won't post a headshot on my Instagram if you don't want me to. And we can change your name or we can just not even use your name. So please, please let me know if that is something that you would be interested in. And I think that's it. We'll, we'll wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening to all of this. And I hope that you will listen to the following episodes because I just know that whoever I am bringing on, they're going to have awesome, awesome insights, way better than I can bring. And, and we're always edified through each other. And so it'll be super cool to have some new perspectives on this and tackle this new issue that really has not been talked about. I'm really, really excited to do this. 
So thank you for listening. Just don't forget you are not alone and Christ loves you. He's always reaching out to you and he wants you to talk to him. So get down on your knees and talk to him. (laughs) All right. I'll leave with that. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.